Hello, podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And we are the parents of middle school-aged children coming to you this episode to talk about why it is important to raise our children to be quitters. Yes. Although Kanji and I don't understand the concept, it is important. We need to know why. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know what? I would say that we do understand the concept, but the concept is not something that we were raised with. Right. Right. What is the saying? Quitters never win. Quitters never win. And winners never quit. Winners never quit. And there's a part of society that really encourages people, not just children, Mm -hmm. but people just to kind of keep on pressing on, mm-hmm. right? And going Gut it out, gutting it out. Yeah. And sometimes when we do that, what ends up happening is we damage ourselves. I know that Terry, you know this story. Back in 2006, I ran my first and only marathon. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that they say that running a marathon is a once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> Should only be done once. And I honored that. I said, this is something that I'm going to train for. It is something that I'm going to do. And I was ready. I had worked for it. I had trained pretty regularly with the Hal Higdon method. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a runner. Did you ever do that? Very Hal- popular. Yes. Hal Higdon. So it was like every single day. According to his plan, there were a certain number of miles or minutes I was supposed to run to train for it. And on the day of the marathon, around mile 18, my body started breaking down. Mm. And I had that mantra in my head that we as Americans kind of say and we recognize it's winners never quit. Mm -hmm. Winners never quit. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of dealt with the pain and I kept on going. And that was a terrible decision because I injured my body so badly. And haven't really run since then. That was my, the end of my running career. Yeah, I remember you telling me that story that it, it hurt you bad enough that you just never really went back to it. Yeah. And and I think for me, it was that mentality that I was raised with. It's you just press on. You keep going through the pain. You find a way to just keep continuing and staying focused on what you started. And a few podcast episodes back, we talked about how um, my son, Roman, who was in eighth grade, had just started his football career. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he had to do with football practice is wake up at 6 a.m. for before school practice sessions. And anyone who knows Roman and anyone who knows anything about Roman knows that Roman's not an early bird. Right. You've seen. (laughs) I know. Terry, you've been at my house at 2 p.m. and the boy is just rising. It's true. (laughs) He doesn't rise with with the early sun. He rises with the sunset. Yeah, he misses half the day. Yeah. And so when we were talking on the podcast episode a few episodes back about how he really wanted to quit football Mm -hmm. and didn't want to continue because he didn't like getting up early. Right. There are some other stories that happened during football practice that we could talk about why he ultimately ended up quitting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good reason. Very good reason. Very solid reason. You know, but sometimes our kids, like when when the going gets tough, sometimes kids are like, eh. I'm going to quit. Right. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I want to have this conversation with you today, Tara, about like how we can start to recognize when it's okay to give our children permission to quit and what are the things that we really should kind of start instilling in them if we change that mentality and mindset from winners never quit mm-hmm. to come to something and understanding that, yeah, there are times when it's okay to quit and there are times when you actually really should quit. Right. Absolutely. And I don't know if I have the secret sauce for this. So I think this will be a good conversation. Maybe we'll figure it out together. Yeah. So what do you, if Gage wants to do an activity, has there been an activity that he started that he wanted to quit and kind of you had the conversation around that? Yes. Gage has typically wanted to quit any activity he started. I mean, this is obviously it's a little different now. But when he was little, it was tough. You know, he was like, oh, I want to try. And then he tried one time, be like, I'm good. You know, so we had some conversations about commitment and 
especially around sports when he was playing team sports and like, hey, if you're going to do it, you've signed up for a season, your teammates are counting on you, so you have to commit to the season and then we would revisit, you know, after each season. So I tried to kind of take him through what short-term commitments look like and what it means to show up if you're going to sign up for something. So we've had those conversations there's been times where I don't know if I got it right, where I was like, you have to do something and I kind of force his hand into some activity of some sort. And so we, I think we've done it both ways. And when you talk about making that commitment, that's the first step, because mm-hmm. I, sometimes when our kids want to quit at activities or even we as individuals want to quit doing things, you look and say, like, what is the commitment that I made, not right. just to myself, but to a team mm-hmm. or to other people and mm-hmm. what would happen? And so with sports, you know, with youth sports, soccer and flag football, and there are times when you see that kids want to quit, sometimes it's the question needs to be asked should we reevaluate this after the season? Mm-hmm. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you've made a commitment to a team. You've made a commitment to this activity and this time bound activity. So let's just finish it out mm-hmm. and then reevaluate it. Is that kind of something that you and Jason, your partner, have done with Gage? That is something we've done. And I guess I'm curious. We think about it in terms of the commitment we made at the beginning of the season. There's multiple commitments, right? So we paid money for you to do it and, it, and it's not cheap. And you've signed up to do it with a team and they've given you a spot that could have gone to somebody else that could be here for the whole season. So we talk about that. Like this is you're taking a spot that you signed up for. But there have been times, too, where we've talked it through. We're like, yeah, we made this commitment. But there's been one activity I remember that he signed up for. He made the commitment. We really pushed him to stick with it. But it was really clear that he just did not enjoy it. Like it was really doing him more harm than good to keep pushing him to go. We were fighting every time. It was just a lot. And so we have made the decision before to bow out. But when we've made that decision, we've all sat down together and been like, this is, we're going to let you do this, but we want to talk through the repercussions of it. We want to make sure you understand what's happening. So this is what we need to think about when we go to sign up for things, when we go to make commitments. So it's like a conversation on both sides. Yeah. And that seems like it's really healthy, especially for our kids, because it starts to give them agency over their activities and their choices. And there is this mental health aspect about what happens when you start to let kids have that choice Mm -hmm. in what activities they're going to be a part of. Right. We also talk a lot about how we frame our parenting experience. And then the other side of the coin, that flip side of the coin, looking back and saying, like, were we ever given choices in some of the activities we participated in? Mm -hmm. And is it because of how we were raised that we make we impart those same decisions on our kids? So did you have choices and kind of like the activities that you were involved in when you were growing up? I I think I had a I don't know if it's a unique experience, but my experience is more like I wasn't my my parents weren't present enough to get me involved in activities. So I didn't really participate in anything until I got into middle school and high school. And that's because I signed up for it and I made the commitments myself. So I think with Gage, especially when he was little, I overcompensated and put him in like a whole bunch of activities because I always wanted to be in a, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like we overcompensated a little bit when he was little and we had to learn that lesson ourselves just because I wanted it or it doesn't mean he wants it. So we've had to learn that 
ourselves. Yeah. And I thank you for sharing that. I think that a lot of us as parents, especially you look at what options are available. We, we've overscheduled our kids mm-hmm. from a very early age. And earlier in our conversation, Terry, you said, you know, you got to do something. <laughs> yeah, you got to do something. <laughs> and I'm like, well, does he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of where we are. Mm-hmm. Think about it like on the weekends or even at the beginning of the pandemic when we weren't really doing anything. Right. And how hard it was for us as parents and as people to adjust to doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But the freedom kind of that comes with doing nothing. And, and another topic that you and I were talking about considering discussing was how to do nothing. How to do nothing. And we decided to abandon that because I was like, we are terrible role models. <laughs> I don't know how to do that at all. <laughs> how can we? We'll have to think about that one. <laughs> I said, I can't, I can't talk about it because I'm someone who, if I'm doing nothing, mm-hmm. if I'm quote unquote resting or relaxing, I feel as though something isn't getting done. I have feelings about it for sure. Yeah. And and so with my son, kind of the same thing. I'm like, you're wasting your, your life. You yeah. have to do something. Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know. I, um, do you know where it comes from for you? I think it just comes from the fact that, and I talk about my own childhood, I was always doing something. Mm. I was an overscheduled child. Like Mm. we always had something to do and things to do. And every weekend was filled with activities and actions and stuff. And we were always doing stuff. And so when I look at my son, who's an only child, who's okay, just doing nothing, Mm -hmm. I kind of look at him like, hmm. Where did you come from? <laughs> That's interesting. I think mine's probably the opposite. We didn't really do much. I was left out to my own devices most of the time. And and I think I wish I had had more opportunities to do things and learn things. Um, and I think mine comes from I saw kids that had passions early on and I didn't really have the opportunity for some of that. And I want Gage to like get into something. Like I really want him to be into something. And I feel like I've tried to force that issue a little bit too much, trying to rush him into picking something. What is that? I don't know. I just, I feel like I was always trying to rush him into something. I wanted him to be really good at something really early on. And he's not interested in that as it turns out. <laughs> Terry, you are speaking to my soul right now. <laughs> you know, because we, we saw King Richard, the film about Richard right. Williams, mm-hmm. Venus and Serena's father. And he had this a vision of what he wanted his kids to do. Right. And they also kind of bought into that vision at a very early age. And I see that with so many kids. You talk to kids who might be seven, eight, nine years old and say, I want to be a pilot when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And everything about their life is aviation stuff, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You talk to people and they say, oh, I've known since I was six years old, I was going to be a doctor. I've known since I was 11 years old, I was going to be a construction manager. Some kids just know. Mm-hmm. And some parents have put them in activities and they kind of have found their passion from that. And like you, one of the things that we tried to do is expose Roman to everything. Mm-hmm. And when I say everything, Tara, ma'am, listen, yes. so we went back, <laughs> kind of took inventory of all of the things and the activities that our 13 year old has done mm-hmm. in his very short life. <laughs> I mean, this child has done soccer mm-hmm. and flag football mm-hmm. and basketball and keyboard lessons clarinet of course we know bassoon right right yes. um, and then he plays um he does musical theater vocal lessons dance lessons and he has done all of these things oh i'm sorry karate and jujitsu of course right. twice because yes. he did it when he was four and then he retired and he got back into it when he was like 11 or 12 and so there are all of these things and we were like yes do it make these commitments 
And without fail, within six to 12 months, he generally wants to quit everything. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's I want to force him to do something because I want him to understand that you got to persevere with something to get really good at an activity. Right. You got to invest the time and the hours. Right. And I was like, you see people who are really good at their craft or their skills or their passions. It's because they've put the time and they've put the work in. And so a part of it is, do you force your kids to keep going Mm -hmm. or when they kind of have shown you that that's not their thing, do you allow them to bow out? If that's the case, you allow them to quit. How do you do it thoughtfully and intentionally? I don't know. Yeah, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I think, I think where I've gotten with it, because very similarly, Gage has been in soccer, t-ball, he's done flag football, he's done music, he's done drumming lessons, keyboard lessons, swimming, jujitsu, we did that for a while. I mean, at one point, I remember he was in like five things, Cub Scouts. I mean, and, and at one point, we had to quit because mom was going to lose her mind. We have these conversations about like, you have to be there, you have to practice in order to get better at it, you have to stick with something. Where I've kind of gotten with it is, I just want him to be a kid, you know, nothing that he, I can see just watching him do all these things or try all these things. Like I haven't seen anything be, you know, a fire that got lit for him. It's really just some fun activities to try out and be exposed to. And so when we've let him kind of roll back and, and take a break from things, we've just had that conversation with each other too. You know, Jason and I are like, okay, listen, obviously he's not going to be the next you know, name a famous sports person, right? He's not going to be, that's not, it's not his jam. And so if he doesn't want to play the season, great. He doesn't have to play this season. And so I think we had to get real thoughtful about letting him lead us as opposed to trying to force something on him. And I've been pleasantly surprised as he's gotten into middle school to see that he is interested in things, you know? And that's the other thing too, is that you see the things that they're interested in, but they're not the things I want him to be. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, he's into YouTube and video games. And I'm like, not that. <laughs> so how do you stop yourself when the things that he does enjoy doing, mm-hmm. the things that he is passionate about or expressing interest in are things that you kind of wish he didn't? I mean, we just kind of had to keep our mouths shut about it and encourage what he is interested in and ask him questions about what he is interested in. Yeah. And it's... It's taken us a few years to get better at it. I'll be honest. I think the pandemic helped because we were all sort of forced to stop and really like talk to each other just about what was really happening as opposed to like just running from one thing to the next. I think it really helped us. Yeah. Um, How do we balance teaching our kids um, the power of perseverance and that effort matters with this other school of thought about letting the kids kind of determine what they want to do and have agency over their body and their decisions. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think for me, that's what I've had the most difficult time trying to figure out and impart on my son. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you let a kid figure out what he wants to do or what she or they want to do when you kind of want to, guide them in a certain direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if they aren't going down that path, how do you let them know that they're wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I think where I've gotten with it is I had to do two things. What was I really trying to accomplish? 
And I think some of what I was trying to accomplish was making sure he was active, right? And balanced. So number one, what am I trying to accomplish? Number two, realizing that I'm really not in charge of it, any of it, that I did not get into a lot of activities until I was older. And guess what? When I was older, I picked stuff I like to do. I got active. I found things to um, be involved in that I enjoyed and knowing that he's going to do that too and that he's his own person. But I think what I did realizing what I wanted to accomplish is saying like, okay, I definitely want him to be active and like to understand the importance of exercise and quiet time and, you know, reading. I, I want him to have some balance in his life. And so we can do that without him being in a bunch of activities. Hey, dad and I exercise 30 minutes a day. We really need to find something that you're at least doing for exercise. Can we do that? You pick something and we'll do it. Um, let's cut back on TV. We don't need to watch TV all the time. Make sure you're reading books. Make sure you're drawing. Make sure you're doing some other things even if it's just the house. And so once I kind of got my mind around that, I'm like, I think that's what I was trying to do with all those activities is like, make sure he was doing more than just sitting on the couch watching TV. So we can solve that problem without a bunch of activities. And then, and then I just kind of let him do his thing. Like he's his own person. And I don't know what he's going to do when he gets older. So me trying to force the issue now is just making everybody mad. Yeah. So it was back off. Just let him do it. But when he was younger, do you think that, your responsibility was to expose him to as many things as possible and then kind of see what stuck? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think there's a way to do it. Like, yeah. I don't know if you feel like this, but we we went overboard. <laughs> we overcompensated in a big way. But yeah, I don't regret that. I don't mm -hmm. regret him trying a bunch of different things. So I think that's okay. So if you had this magic um, time machine and you could go back yes. and do it differently, how yeah. would you have done it differently with exposing him to things? I would space things out and not do everything at the same time because <laughs> that made all of us upset. You mean he didn't have to do baseball and Cub Scouts and swimming and all in the same month? Yeah, that's right. the same month. Yeah, something every night of the week. Yes, I would not do that. I would space it out. And I'd probably let him... I'd probably let him quit a few things earlier than I did. Mm -hmm. There was a few things that I drug on a little bit longer than we needed to. Yeah. So talking about like, how do we determine or how can we find out when it is the right time mm -hmm. for our kids to quit an activity mm -hmm. or um, when we should listen to them and let them quit? How did you know when it was time for Gage to kind of move on from some activities that he was involved in? It was causing problems in our relationship. Tell me more. Um, I mean, just like every time it was, we had to suit up for a practice or a game, we were fighting. We were mad at each other. We mad at each other all the way there, mad at each other all the way back. And I was like, you know what? I'm just making this worse. He obviously doesn't want to go. It's causing a problem between he and I. So let's talk about it. One of the things, one of the challenges I have with, with Roman, and I've had this kind of since he was really young, is that. He doesn't like getting up and going somewhere. Right. You know, he doesn't, mm -hmm. he, the, he likes to just kind of mull around and sleep in and not do any complaints about it. Yeah. However, when he gets to the place mm -hmm. where he's doing the thing, his attitude changes. Yes. And so while there were times when we were trying to get him, maybe um, he would say he didn't want to do soccer practice or soccer games. When he got there, he would have fun and he would enjoy himself. So I had this question and I've always wondered, like, do I listen to this? oh, I don't want to, or do you kind of push them through and at, and make them kind of go about it and hope that things change, right? Well, I think that's the difference. So right now, Gage is still like that. When it's time to get dressed for his scout meetings, he's 
crabby, right? He doesn't want to put on the uniform. We want to go, but every time we go, he goes and he has a great time. And mm-hmm. we come home is great. What was happening in those scenarios where I let him quit was it was not getting better. Mm. Like I was having to drag him out of the house. He was a jerk on the way there. He was a jerk during practice to him, me and his friends. He was a jerk all the way home. So I was like, okay. So for me, I could see the difference. Yeah. And if he was really enjoying the activity, then I continued to push it. But if it was just a fight from start to finish, then I was like, we're out. Absolutely. So I think the yeah. takeaway is kind of you just got to know your kid. Yes. You have to know your kid and kind of how they are operating mm-hmm. and to listen to what they're saying and how they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and again, like for me, there are things that Roman typically after six months to a year, he wants to quit or move on. Mm-hmm. And right now he is really into musical theater and yeah. acting and vocal lessons. And that's kind of what he wants to do to the point where, and we can probably talk about this more a few months from now. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, he wants to go to a performing arts magnet school right. for high school. Right. And what that would mean is getting him in a situation where we potentially would have to move mm-hmm. um, because we would have to be zoned in that performing arts high school zip code, I think it is. Mm-hmm. But also it's kind of like putting all of your eggs in one basket. Right. Because if he starts going to this school, what happens if in 10th grade, he decides that's not what he wants to do anymore. Yeah. And you're already there. You're already in it. Or is the better course of action kind of just to do a more general high school education? And then if he wants to kind of get into something and stick with performing arts, he can do that after he graduates from high school. Are you guys setting limit? I mean, you've had some experience with Roman. So, you know, like we're like at month seven. Let's see how it goes. Like, are you setting limits in that way? Like, how do you set those limits and say we can't just move, but we can see what else is going to happen? Well, with this particular situation, it is a magnet school, so you have to apply to get in. Mm-hmm. So we do have that. And we are just going to keep him focused right now for the next three or four months yeah. until he has the auditions. And again, like I said, we're at month seven. Like you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's still in it. And he's done, usually when it gets to about a year yeah. is when sometimes he reassesses. It's like, eh, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or if he has an activity or something, an incident happens where he's like, yeah, I'm not going to keep doing this. With Like with jujitsu. Mm-hmm. He did a jujitsu um, competition. Mm-hmm. And the first competition, you remember this, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> they put my poor baby up against some like nationally ranked right. fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and it was his first match and he was very excited he'd been training for it he was on the jujitsu team Mm -hmm. and he got pummeled right and it was very difficult to watch um he he stood his ground he was just matched against someone who was much better than he was absolutely you know this kid had been training for several years and there's no shame and so he that was just not for him and (laughs) this was around the time that he was starting to develop his love for performing Mm -hmm. and so he it was like something has to give because we didn't want to over schedule him and so he decided to stick with performing arts and we'll see if that sticks with it but again at the beginning of the school year that was also something that he was doing he he was doing performing arts and he decided he wanted to try football Mm -hmm. and um just to let our podcast family know what happened with our son in his football career he had been playing football for about a week of just practicing the very first week of school, and he suffered a really devastating traumatic injury mm-hmm. um, in football practice. So I got that terrifying phone call that we as mothers hate to get it, and it's letting me know the coach called and said, we think that he um, he broke 
or injured his wrist. And I was very fortunate that I could drive up to the school. We noticed that even though the coach had applied ice, it was very obvious something was wrong with his Mm. arm. Um, We took him to the emergency room. And when we got to the emergency room, the ER doctor looked at Roman and took the ice off. And you could see that his right arm was very clearly dislocated and broken in a couple of spaces. And the doctor asked Roman if he could wiggle his fingers. And Roman said yes. And he wiggled his fingers. And the doctor asked if Roman could wiggle the fingers on his left hand. And Roman said, yeah, my left hand is fine. And the doctor looked and said, nope, that arm is broken too. Oh my God. I will never forget that text. <laughs> yes, because I texted you from the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I got um, a terrifying second mom text. I'm like, what do I do? Where do I go? <laughs> you know, and so um, after playing football for five days, mm-hmm. uh, he suffered the traumatic injury and had two broken arms mm. at the same time. Uh, and he, at, when he got home from the hospital that day, he did say, mom, I, I'm not playing football ever again. <laughs> oh, fair. That is one instance where you go, that's cool. We will quit. We will quit football. <laughs> we w- we will quit and we co-sign that. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. So again, there are some situations with kids when we know that it is the right time to quit. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, let me go ahead and just um, circle, close the loop on this story. He has gone to his orthopedic doctor every week. He's He has healed wonderfully. Kids are resilient. Their bones are able to regenerate themselves in ways that ours can't. Mm-hmm. Because if I were to break an arm now, Tara, I don't think I would ever have use of that arm again. <laughs> I know. It, it worries me for sure. So thank God for these kids and these elastic bones. <laughs> but shout out to Roman's classmates who helped him the last month or so getting around school, taking notes for him in class. Um, Everyone knows who he is at the school because Mm -hmm. he was the kid with two broken arms and he is healing. And again, um, he has retired from football because we say this. I said, if that's the injury that happened to you at practice Mm -hmm. with your friends, Mm -hmm. what would have happened if you were in a game? Oh, my God. That might be a conversation for another day when we have like a parent of an athlete joining us um, and talk to us kind of like about how they deal with having their kid in a full contact sport yeah. and what that means. So yeah, because Gage wants to play. And then I got that text and I was like, you know what? We need to talk about this. <laughs> oh, so do you think you and Jason would let him play seventh grade football? If he wants to, we will. If he still wants to next year, we will. Okay. Now that was the I'm not avenue. happy about it. but <laughs> See, and remember, that was the avenue I went down. I yeah. said, Roman wanted to play football. I said, and I was like, it's nine weeks. Uh-huh. He is. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, you know, it's practice. He's uh-huh. going to be okay. Uh-huh. He wouldn't be playing like wide receiver or quarterback. He'd be a lineman. Yep. And five days into practice, this is what happens. I so. know. I know. That's a whole other podcast episode <laughs> of my terror. <laughs> oh, that's th- that episode could go on for hours. Oh, yeah. We talk about like, how do we keep our kids safe when they want to do these activities? Yes. And when do we start to say, yes, this is an activity you can do. And what would happen if our kids want to do activities maybe that we don't not only don't see for them, but we don't perceive as maybe being safe for them. Right. You know, God. what about kid, parents whose kids um, are doing youth pilot and getting piloting licenses? Oh, my God. Yeah. People are letting their kids do that. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That's so hard. There's so many activities that our kids can do where there can be danger mm-hmm. or there can be 
areas for them to hurt themselves or harm themselves or that not work out the way that we as parents would want them to. Again, there are things like I look at our sons and who like watching YouTube and playing video games. And I was like, why would you waste your time doing that? And then you look at digital or content creators that are doing this for a living and make very good incomes and are learning skill sets. So it's saying, well, maybe that's what his path is going to be is to go down that road and maybe do this for a living. So who am I to, in my limited view, say no? That's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I have to check myself on all the time is like, I just don't know. We don't know. I just don't know. And I want him to have experiences. So you're going to let your kid just watch all the YouTube in the world? I mean, he already does. I don't. I think he has seen all of YouTube at this point. <laughs> it's like we watch YouTube until the end. Well, oh when, Roman, when Roman was recovering from um, his broken arms, we did watch the end of Netflix. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Got to all the way to the end. <laughs> and back. See the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But um, as we get ready to wrap up, so we do know that Roman did quit football mm-hmm. and uh, we supported it. And if he decides that right now his love of all things performing arts, if he decides that that's not for him, as long as he has a chance to reflect and assess why Mm -hmm. um, he's participating and continuing an activity, if he decides to quit that activity, you got to be on board with it. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think at this point, especially in these preteen years, it's really important to let them have some autonomy over those choices. Yeah. So if anyone asks if I'm raising a quitter, I will absolutely happily say, yes, I am. 100%. (laughs) Yes. And we will try to avoid that phrase, winners never quit, because that's not true. As long as you are in the game or as long as you're participating or doing something that brings you joy and you are trying to find your passion and your meaning and the reason why you are on this planet, then you are a winner. I can't end it any better than that. You are a winner. You're, it's so funny because you're nodding your head. I and I'm, am. I'm on board. I was like, our podcast family can't see you nodding, Tara. <laughs> podcast family, I'm on board with whatever Kaji says always. <laughs> you are a winner. We are all winners. And with that being said, we are going to sign off for this episode, understanding that it is okay to let your kids involve themselves in the activities that they like and they love and really, really listen and lean in to those conversations with your kids if they do want to quit an activity and find out kind of like why. And at the end of the day, realize that we are all just hashtag doing Doing the the best best we can. can. With that being said, Tara and I are going to sign off this week. We will be back next week for another new episode of Motherhood in Black and White. Same time, same place. Take good care of podcast family. Mm -hmm.